SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton. And before we get into this tonight, let's just start right here. Yeah. Yes, sir. I wasn't sure if we were going to get to do this. Like, I, I thought, I actually had thought earlier in the night that I was going to, like, queue up closing time by Semisonic to play tonight. Because if you watch the Hawks, we're talking here after Wednesday night, and if you watch that game, you probably thought the same thing, that the season was about to be over. But here we are. Uh, and at least for the short term, the Hawks kind of still alive. But before we get too far into that, I need to bring in the rest of my usual line mates who are with me this evening. First off, it is the analytic styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, I'm uh, too tired uh, and sort of still on adrenaline after that game to come up with anything. So good job, was- Hawks. We'll get into this a little bit deeper with everyone else, but like, when was the last time that you remember feeling that much adrenaline after a Hoss game? Like, no, no point this season, right? No. Uh-huh. No. no. All right. And well, before we get too far into it, let's bring in the other two. Uh, first off, he is to Second City Hockey what Dan Marcella is to Story of the Year. It is Milsavich. Did you get that? I got that. Well, no, no, I didn't get the what you ever said before that. Oh, no. I just opened a can, too. Oh. I, it might have picked up. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. You're just going to have uh, to get another beer and open it later. Story of the year. Um, good shout. Backflips off your amps. Catch your guitars in midair. That's what this third period felt like, so good shout. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Per- perfect segue. That's why That's why you get paid the big bucks, Mill. Mm-hmm. And also with us this evening, she is the bull and wall of text at Second City Hockey. It is Betsy slash LBR. I feel like I should just do like a fangirls video. I was like, woo, the whole time. <laughs> like, that was me. So excited. That was me after Hagel scored the goal. Uh, maybe not quite fangirl high pitch, but I was definitely like punching the sky. Like, I haven't very I much just, this season. I just kept thinking, oh man, I, you know, I love this team. They make, I want to kill them. I love this team. I want to kill them. But I want to <laughs> win so bad. <laughs> Please win. Like, uh, and it was just such a satisfying feeling. Yes, I, I think that is – there have been so many moments where the Hawks have built you up this season only to let you down, and they did not do that. Like, there was finally a buildup, and you got the satisfaction at the end that they actually won the damn game. Yes. So that's that's where we're going to start. Um, I, I brought everyone else in. Uh, we, we've, we've already kind of talked about it, but uh, the Hawks were down 4-1 to one in the third period to the National Predators. They gave up a goal – in the last second of the second period, in the first minute of the third period, I'd left the couch and was cooking dinner. I'm sure everyone else that's listening to this had probably stopped paying attention as much as they were in the first and second period. And then they scored three goals in three minutes and one in overtime. And I'm still not entirely sure that it happened. So uh, I'm still forming thoughts in my head about this. So Mill, Betsy, Shepard, any guys want to take this just What's what's on your mind? What, what are your thoughts like? Just what is the emotion that is most prevalent for you right now after all of that? They won in spite of the strategy and the coach. Like, oh, they're, don't. They're, oh, you know, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to do that show next week when they. <laughs> no, no, no. But that was my reaction in the third period. I was like, they're talented. There's a fun group here. Uh, I really like. Obviously, everybody likes Brandon Hagel. If you're a Hawks fan, let's not lie. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinny Henestrosa has been really great since he's come back and 
He had a great game tonight, getting rewarded for it. Love to see that. Doc's been good. And you know what? I'm a big Wyatt Kalanick fan. So, same. Yeah. Uh, I, it was just, ahead, it's very cool. Like, I totally get where Mill's coming from in the sense that, look, we knew these kids were going to be good. We knew this group could be something, that there's potential there. And we saw it when the goaltending was, you know, uh, saving their butts defensively, but we knew there was talent. And it was nice to see that spark again, you know, like that, like we knew it was there and it could be more like you could see maybe there's a future. And that's what was exciting about this to me was like, these are the kids that could do something, you know, Kane's going to be good. Um, he he's had like an iffy little stretch here, but you know, he's going to be in great, great. Debrinket's been great. Doc looked great in this game. Hagel, Hinnestroza, Suter looked great in this game. I thought Kershev looked good in this game, even though as a team, they might not have looked actually all that great in the first two periods, but individually you couldn't help but be like, I like what I see. And it was good for them to be rewarded and remind us why we are enjoying this season. It's the young guys mostly, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's like, it'd be different if this was just Patrick Kane scoring three goals in three minutes and winning and, you know, sending it to overtime and then maybe winning it by himself. But like you said, like, why Kalanuk was not on this team last year, uh, and, he, and Hagel was not on this team last year. Henestroza was not on this team last year. Kubalik was only a rookie last year. Suter was not on this team last year. So these are all guys that were new. Like th- These are the guys that are supposed to be the future, and they're the ones responsible for all of this. And and that it's essentially just echoing what you said, but like, it's this is the kind of win that you wanted to see more of, I think. Um, and I think so much during the season, it was a lot of Patrick Kane superhero moments and like Alex to bouncing back was a big story because he didn't have as good of a season last year, but um, just it's, it's I, not only how they won, but who they won with. And also Malcolm Subban and net is, it was so you got to give Shep's guy some credit. <laughs> <laughs> Shepard's guy. I, Hey, I, I, I don't want to say I've been a detractor, but I, I've been all on the Kevin Lonkin and bandwagon this entire season. So, and Subban's played very well the last couple of weeks. And it's still like, Lankin is still the guy for, you know, he's still leading the pack, but Subban's closing that gap a lot. And it's just made Friday night. will be an interesting decision. Cause I don't know who you start. I'm guessing Subban because he won, but who knows uh, Shepard, but you, uh, we were talking a little bit before we came on the air. Just what was your reaction to all the shenanigans of the evening? Oh, for most of the game, it was what Mill was going to talk about in terms of the strategy and like the dumb decisions. <laughs> the dumb decisions Jeremy Carlton made. Oh, we were we were just gonna. It was just gonna be f bombs for half an hour, and then we were gonna close up shop and go home because it was just that. That was I was so deflated and angry early in that third period, and then obviously it turned for the better. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like if, like he played like. Carlton played Kurashev fourteen thirty, which is not great, but good, better. I mean, he, did he play David Kampf literally the same exact amount of time as Kirby Doc in that game? Yes. <laughs> is, that, is that bad? Right now, yeah. we're going to do that show next week, Shepard. <laughs> he did. He but did they, score last. Yeah. last game. Okay, he, is, he was on a one-game goal streak. You, you have to get. <laughs> they, they did. They they played the kids, and it worked. Like especially Brandon Brandon Hagel in this game. And Kirby Doc too, but Brandon Hagel, dude. That well, the, the thing he, is, he killed we, we've talked about him so much about if he just if he had hands to match his feet, he'd be unstoppable. That goal he scored in overtime was not easy. To be in no. that close, moving at that rate of speed, and get that puck that high, that's that's yeah. not that that's like seven eight out of ten on a difficulty scale. It, that, that's it, not easy. You know what? Coming from me being the the Jersey guy, I think this is the first time since the Hawks were winning that. If fans can go back to the UC, you're going to see a lot of guys on the team's jerseys in the stands. Yeah. Oh, I think Brandon Hagel's like he's going to be that kind of guy, like the Shaw guy. Like oh he's yeah. Not like oh, all star, but absolutely the the fan. Like he's going to be like it was like Versteeg and then Shaw and then Brandon Hagel's got that role already. And not in the same playing sense, but almost like you'd see a lot of Probert back in the day, even though he was <laughs> kind of what he was. Now, not the same type of player, but I'm just saying it's that no, that no, dark no, no, no. horse jersey. Mm-hmm. And I well deserved. Absolutely. I mean, he again was well. He played one game last year. I said he wasn't on the team, but 
one game. Sorry. And don't count. <laughs> yeah. One, yeah. Nobody still, remembers last year. He, yeah. It happened before the pandemic. So that tells you how long ago it was. It was, That's I think why. it was the very last game against the sharks before the pandemic, before the pandemic became official, I guess, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I, 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 all I can think of is just how much fun it was to watch a Hawks game this evening. Well, how much fun it is to think about the Hawks game after the fact, because the majority of games were like, even if they won, they're like, all right, that was cool. That, that win was like as much fun of a, I've had watching the Hawks in a regular season game in a few years that I can think of. And it was against Nashville. And, it was so and, annoying. Yeah, fuck and, thank you. Fuck Nashville. I, I'm so sick of this team. I can't, they're so inferior. They play a boring ass style of hockey. Honestly. They're a bunch of no names, like all their good. Pl- well, and they have like two good players and they're all hurt They're, I mean, they usually pull a goalie out of somewhere out of Europe and he's good for some reason. <laughs> I just, I can't stand this team. I can't stand their fans. I just. Holden in is going to be our most hated guy. Cause he's going to be a hot killer. And oh, they, yeah. they haven't yeah. won a That's goddamn right. thing. They're never like. Yeah, their claim to fame is the one time they beat the Hawks, and it was an embarrassing like loss for the Hawks. But like, that's all they've got. Like, get yeah. over yourselves. And then, the, and then the guy they traded to Pittsburgh scored the game-winning goal in the final. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least I, as as much as it pains me to compliment the St. Louis Blues, like they won a cup. You have to at least give them that. That's an anomaly, Dave. Yeah, it was. That was speaking of things that may have never happened. Like again, that happened before the pandemic, so I'm not sure it actually happened. But they had a coaching change in December, and they got a hot goalie, and uh, Ryan O'Reilly somehow went off. Yeah, Fuck we the talk- Boston Bruins for that forever. <laughs> we don't talk enough about how uh, the National Predators' leading scorer against the Blackhawks this season is Luke Coonan. <laughs> who, they, who, got, who, they, who they basically got for free from Minnesota, you which can, is basically like going. Who? <laughs> we could have said it for an hour and I wouldn't have even come up with that guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was a nobody before the season. And now the Blackhawks, he's, he's been a Blackhawk killer this season. All I can think of is when, uh, I, this was like years ago, but there was some guy that was, I think it was Zach Ronaldo, but Brad Richards was on the other bench and they, he was mic'd up for the game. Zach Ronaldo, like it just got called up and was talking shit. And Brad Richards is like, is this a fantasy camp for you? You get one game and your first game of your career and no one even knows who you are. Like, that's who I feel Luke Coonan is. But somehow he kills the Hawks. Yeah. Well, to Nashville's credit, their forward group is fast. They do have speed. I'll give them that. And that's where they beat the Hawks' defense. And they do have a pretty good system in place that complements that speed very well. And let's just not go further down that road because we know where it's going to end up. Yep. But anyway, it was fun. I had a blast watching the team tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Friday in, in a little bit, um, but we want to, uh, any other burning thoughts on tonight? I think we got it all out of the way that it, it was fun and they should do it more often. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend. And play uh, Henestrosa and Hegel more together because they're I both very fast. Put those two on wing on a, on the same line as opposite wings and just let them forecheck the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Good things tend to happen. One, I'll just say one last thing though. It was kind of a, uh, it was more fun, I guess, in overtime. But you hate to give them that point when they had a four-minute power play like that. In in retrospect, that's bad. That, that, and see, that's where like after the Hawks had tied it up and that power play happened, and that's when like all the negative thoughts of like, oh, here comes the fucking shorty that's going to ruin it, and all all the good feelings that you just had are going to be turned on their head and multiplied. Yeah, I was it, like, if they get out of it without a shorty, that's great. But I was like, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to lose momentum, which they did. Yeah. I, it was I was, a great, go ahead, Mel. I'm sorry. It was a great like feeling when they won in overtime. But like now it's like giving up a point to Nashville. They cannot do that Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Friday, essentially, like if the Hawks are going to stay alive and relevant in this playoff chase, you pretty much need a regulation win because you can't give another point to Nashville. They've given them like fifty this year. Yeah, like fuck Nashville. <laughs> yeah, again, this is this is the first out. time. This is this yeah. is an anti-national predator podcast officially. This is the first time the Blackhawks beat the Predators this season, which is wild. Yes, with like two and they're games not left. Good. Like <laughs> the only reason the Predators are are good in the standings is because of the Hawks. It's their fault. <laughs> and UC Soros decided he was going to be good again for some uh, reason. Don't, that horseshoe is going to fall out of his ass eventually. I'm still not convinced he's this good. He's good, but 
let's 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 move on. Um, we actually had some other news that, well, it was an update, kind of newsy that broke. It was in the first intermission when TSN reporter Darren Drager went on the NBC Sports broadcast talking to Liam McHugh and dropped an update on Jonathan Taves that I think we've all been kind of waiting for. So within the last month or two, Stan Bowman did another media tour. I think he did a Q&A with The Athletic where it came out, and Bowman said something about the, – the quote was something along the lines of, I think Taves will be back next season or something like that. Like he didn't really say anything in terms – didn't really give you any sense of certainty. Just, yeah, I think he'll be around next season. So I think this is the first time we've had somebody like specifically say that – and this, I'll read this quote directly from Drager because I put this on our website at secondcityhockey.com. Uh, I put Drager's words in quotes so that um, it's you can interpret it however you wish, but I, we'll talk about how we all interpreted it. But uh, it's an assumption that Taves is done for this regular season. Nobody close to Taves is saying that definitively other than to say that he's very likely done for the season. There's only 10 games left. I don't think anybody was expecting Taves back at this point anyway, so that doesn't matter. But the interesting point is where Drager went on to say, the good news, I'm going to quote this here. The good news is that his health is getting better. He's seen improvement over the months. And the expectation is that as long as he stays headed in the right direction, the direction that he's on right now, that he should be healthy and ready to return to the Chicago Blackhawks next season. From my knowledge, and I feel like we've I've tried to follow this as much as we can. That's the first time I've heard somebody say that A, Taves is getting better and B, he should be on the team next season. Have you guys seen anything else to the contrary? Not official. No, I, yeah. I've seen no official anything on him. So this is, I I was very encouraged by this because it's the first time I've heard anybody say anything about, like, we, no one, I don't think anyone knew if he was getting better. Like, well, there no hasn't one, been anything about him, so we don't know, like, what direction he no, was going. Other than, like, the 15 or 20 people who have messaged this various Second City Hockey <laughs> social media accounts claiming every ailment known to man um, because they know a guy. But outside of no, of no speculation that's worth diving into has been like, – there's been nothing. And uh, Drager was citing pe- people close to Taves, and I have no reason to not believe a report from Darren Drager because he's been right his entire career. So uh, let's go around the table. First off, uh, Shepard, to you. What was your reaction when you heard that we might actually have Jonathan Taves back next season? I'm relieved because I think the blockers can really use him, especially as a center and as like a first line player who can take on other first line matchups and let Kane go back to dominating second line matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and as with how how bad the Chicago penalty kill has been this season, too, having Taves back on that would be needed. Yeah. Um, yeah, just relieved. I think an overall sense of relief, especially because Taves has become off-ice one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, relieved is a good word, like, just because there was so much unknown about it. Like, I, we again, we, we nobody knew anything, and, like, he has his rights to privacy, and, and, like, we can't demand answers from him. But, I mean, it's a guy we've been watching for over 10 years now, so you kind of you, – you wanted to know as much as you could without, you know – being too invasive it's just you you want to know how the guy's doing um but he also has his right to privacy so it was just the it was so weird because we usually know so much about people at least just from a health perspective we know if they're okay or not and one reaction that i like when i tweeted the things that Dreger was saying and then it was discussed in the first intermission on twitter and elsewhere i don't think that there were people that were convinced like I was starting to get concerned that he was never playing hockey again. And I assume some of you guys went down that road in your heads too. I feel like some people had not even embraced that thought, but it seemed like it, it seemed like it certainly could have been a possibility with the way things were going. Um, Mill Betsy, do you, what were your reactions to the news? Uh, basically the same thing that you guys said. And also, you know, just from a non-hockey standpoint, just as a person, you you never want anybody to be sick or anything like that, especially somebody like Jonathan Taves. So I was really concerned for him because they didn't even disclose what he had. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of a pandemic, obviously, if he ended up, you know, having COVID, it wouldn't be like it would come out and he'd probably be fine because they put him on a protocol list. But 
it's like, if you're like, Hey, I'm staying home in Canada, not traveling. Cause I'm sick. That probably means I don't want to risk my health in a pandemic. So who we, you know, it kind of scared me a little bit thinking of the severity. So, uh, it's very minimal, but good to hear. And first and foremost, I hope he is better. And then like Shepard said, you know, we could use him on the ice and as a captain for sure. Yeah. I was saying like the thing that they miss most from him is his leadership. Um, I'm sure Kane and, you know, Murphy and Debrinkit have been like stepping up as like backups and Keith is still there, but nobody can really fill the gap that I think Taves did by leading by example. And they had already taken a hit with Seabrook, not on the ice. And he was always extremely vocal. So for such a young team, that type of leadership is missed, I think. Um, so it'd be good for the Hawks to have that back. Um, and like, like Jeff, I, relief. I don't really understand the reaction of people being like, but where did this information come from? It's like, don't question it even. <laughs> Just be happy <laughs> that it's, first of all, that there's something and it's positive. I can understand if it was negative speculation, if it was just like, well, he had something really terrible, you know, like that. But this is positive information. The worst mm-hmm. that happens is your hopes got dashed a little bit. Um, but this is good news. Be happy for it. It's good news for the Hawks. It's good news for Taves as a person. Um, relief that he could be helpful again and he could do whatever, you know, if he wants to come back, he can come back and play. That's just good news. Be happy for it. Yeah. When they teased that they were going to have a, a Taves update on the other side of a commercial break, that like 90 second to two minute commercial break was a very long commercial break because I had no idea what was coming on the other side of it. Yeah, I was bracing for the worst. Honestly. Yeah, like, and because that, and, and, it, and they started talking about how he wasn't going to play this season. And just, I, whatever the order of words were, like, my heart sank because it made it sound like, oh, God, he's never coming back. But then they were like, oh, he's not coming back for this season. Okay. Yeah. And nor should he, honestly. Like, there's no good at the, reason. At for this that. point, yeah. He, right now, yeah. In he this can't time. ramp up to a seat, even if he was healthy and totally clear to go tomorrow. You couldn't ramp up and, th- and be back for a game in three weeks. Once that and, and and the fact that like even if the Hawks make the playoffs, which I hope they do, you know, it's like I, you know, yeah, you're gonna need Taves against the playoff team, but is that gonna make the difference? Yeah, I I, I will be interested to see now. Now that there's a report out there, because like that's like even for the last like three to four months, like even like the Darren Dragers and Bob McKenzies and and like all the big time reporters that are out there there has not been a whisper of anything. Like if you remember when the Marion Hosa story broke because uh, Elliot Friedman, I think on his 31 thoughts, it was like a random summer night in the middle of the off season when he dropped, Oh, Hey, Marion Hosa might retire tomorrow because he can't play anymore because of that skin condition. And yeah. so there's been no reporting anywhere about Taves. So now that there is a report out there, I wonder if there's, if something's going to follow from the Hawks and or Taves himself in the next week or two. So we'll, I guess that's something we'll, we'll keep an eye on for. Uh, and you can keep, I keep your eye on secondcityhockey.com because if something happens, I promise you, we will uh, provide an update about it. Um, one thing of note, I don't know if this is relevant to what all of this is, but Taves' birthday is next Thursday. He'll be 33. So I don't well, know if he's going to do a press conference on his birthday, but I mean, I, it, I was going to add one more thing to this though. You just, what you just said made me remember it. Um, because there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff about this. The report to me kind of sounds like it might've been, cause it was like, might've been a little leaked, you know, like to, mm-hmm. to give fans. Um, cause I think that's what happened with the host of thing. I think they were like, this is coming. So we're just going to temper it out there a little bit, get people ready for it. Um, that's the reason I was like, this is exciting because it probably came directly from Taves' camp or people around him more than anything else. So be happy. Yeah. And, and like, sometimes, you know, Darren Dreger has been in the game for a very long time. Like his source, like his source could be Taves. And it's just, he has to say people close to Taves because that's how these things work as journalists. But, um, or his source could be Stan Bowman. Like I, but he has to say people close to whoever, cause he can't give away a source because that's how reporters work. So we wouldn't know that though. Yeah, I, I should <laughs> also add, yes, thank you for, yeah, we, we don't we don't know any of these things. We are merely passing along the information that was passed along to us. It's okay, Dave. We'd be getting kicked out of the press box for drinking, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like, the, the idea of sitting at a Blackhawks game in the press box where you can't drink, you can't yell at uh, other fans that are being obnoxious or yell at the other team 
are the officials. What's the point of even going to the game then? I guess Ironworks. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you're in the press box, they have food for you, so you're not really going to go pay for food. But that's that's valid. Yeah, that's a that's a whole thing. Although I hear the food's good. Uh, former site manager Brandon Kane maintains that they do have good food at the United Center in the press box. So. Where were we going with this? <laughs> That's we're, a whole nother discussion that we could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we'll, off-season talk. Yeah, we'll do that in the off-season, exactly. Um, really quickly, uh, we talked briefly about Friday's game against Nashville. So, uh, and we mentioned they like they have to win a regulation pretty much to, A, keep pace themselves and to stop letting Nashville pull away in the standings. And I'll open up to any of the three of you. Anything else that should be watched or that the Hawks need to do or do better uh, on Friday night to ensure that they can get that win and stay relevant in this playoff chase as long as they can. Dress 12 forwards. <laughs> and well, and dress six healthy defensemen. Yeah. If Calvin oh, Hunt's hip is only going to last a period, like leave him out. I feel so bad because I said something about him being made of glass on a podcast and you guys were like, no, like he's had a good healthy year. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then the next night he got hurt. <laughs> it's like my fault. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's all blame you. Yes. So I hope he feels better. But in all seriousness, I would like them to not be risky with the lineup. Yeah. If if I feel like they have options, like you have Ian Mitchell, you have uh, Nicholas Bodan, you, White Kalinux emerging, like you have options. If you can't get 100% out of Calvin DeHaan, play someone else who can do that because White Strumps it. I, you know what? Actually, that's a good question. I was uh, going to look into that. I don't know if that got lost in the euphoria of everything that happened after the game, but uh, I'm not seeing it. I'll have to scroll for some tweets. Shepard, Betsy, do either one of you guys have any other thoughts on Friday's game? Yeah, play strong. Uh, yeah, play strong. Okay. Especially because, especially because, yeah, DeHaan's probably going to be out uh, if he played just 350 in this game. Um, and you don't really need DeHaan with both Kalanuk and Boquist back in the lineup. Uh they're both they're the kids they're the Blackhawks are playing right now and they're I think there might be a reason for that um, and and I think start with start Subban I think I wouldn't mind if Subban gets a look as a, as the starter down the stretch here your guy well yeah like you said when they acquired him Shepard I remember you writing an article that said when when Malcolm Subban plays a lot of games in a row he gets into a better rhythm and a better thing and the and that's that's when he's at his best. And it's, it's kind of a catch-22 situation because you have to play well to continue to start, but he only plays well if he continues to start. So um, now he's played, what, like two, three games in a week? So you, yeah. and you get another one on Friday night, then maybe he gets into rhythm and and he you ride him all the way to whatever the season's going to be like by the end of May. Exactly. There you go. Betsy, any final thoughts on uh, Friday's game? Um, one – get tighter chin straps for helmets because the predators just... seem to like to pull them off. Um, apparently they pulled off. I said this in our chat, but like they pulled off helmets against the canes too, which I mean, I guess that's a strategy. Um, and then two, please stop chasing people behind the net. <laughs> um, just please they stop do that. Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, I want to fight. Um, a couple times. <laughs> just, just a couple. Um, and I mean, I, I want them to play Strom. Obviously, I'd much rather him over Gaudet. But uh, I was sitting there thinking about who would have sat. Like, if, like, obviously, none of us wanted them to go seven D. But if that was the choice to be made, I'm not sure anybody else would be sat. Maybe Connolly, um, because you have to have, even though their PK is terrible, you have to have Carpenter and Camps and stuff like that in there. Um, but you're not going to sit Hagel or Hannah Strozer or Debrinket or. Yeah. Suter or Khrushchev or Kubalik. So it comes down to Carpenter or Connolly. And I'm like, eh, half a dozen one. I would sit Connolly, but that, that's just me. Connolly's um, probably not that useful on that line. I don't particularly find Connolly that useful in general. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, for whatever he is, like, you know, he doesn't really belong on that line. Yeah, but Strom doesn't either, like, on a checking line. But I don't know. It's like, it is what it is. If you have to sit one, I guess that's what it's going to come down to. I'd much rather them not sit Strom, but just Same. play 12D or 12 forwards and 60 and you'll be good. Let's just do that. 
And again, no chasing behind the net, please. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> like, you, you scratch the Han because he's injured. You put Strom back in. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. And then, I mean, they'll probably have to mix up the lines, but. I mean, they mix them up a bunch tonight, so we'll see. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, like, we have Friday night and there's a Hawks-Predators game and it is relevant in terms of playoff implications. It's relevant for the 2021 season because if they had lost tonight, we probably wouldn't be talking about young players and the future and all that already. So I'm glad we can put that podcast off for another week. It might be here next week, but we can, we can get to that bridge when we get there. Uh, we're going to take a quick timeout right here though, and kind of come back on the other side of this timeout. We're going to answer some questions from the SCH commentariat, and then we're going to talk about some food stuff and then we're going to get out of here. So come back on the other side of this break for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, during the game tonight, I uh, solicited questions from the Second City Hockey community. And we want to answer a few of them tonight because they are some of our most devoted listeners and commenters and all of that. So as a thank you to them, we're going to get them involved in the conversation. So uh, throwing this out to the panel, first question from Deadstick. What needs to change on the power play to make it look more like it did early in the season? Switch to Adam Boquist for Duncan Keith on the first unit. Cause I think I kept seeing Duncan Keith on the first unit. Well, I think part um, of that is because Keith w- was when Boquist gets hurt, they default to Keith, although they were running five forwards for a while and that didn't work either, but no. a- Adam Boquist for sure. <laughs> Maybe let Kalanuk um, go on second unit. Yeah. Kalanuk's out there. Been out there was that was out there for a while tonight. He's, I think he's good, but Dominic Kubalik, I think needs to be on the first unit permanently. Cause, Cause for most of the season, the power play was running through him. Well, they were going to five when they're struggling. They're going to five forwards on the first unit, which does not work for them. And no. when you have Boquist, who can actually walk the blue line, like Shepard said, that opens the whole thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, and, and as Boquist has taken steps forward elsewhere in his game, you're seeing it on the power play too now, where he's, he just, he finds open lanes, either shooting, passing, skating, whatever. If there's an Bowling. opening to be exploited, he can find it, which is, what you need out of a guy running your power play. I, I heard that. I heard the sticker. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I heard. I, yeah. I, I know exactly what I said. Uh, you just make the joke the and we'll move on. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, shall we move on to the next question? Yes. Any other thoughts about Adam Bogles? <laughs> oh, no. Too much, too much good. celebrating tonight. Oops. All right. Uh, this is one just from Skyscraper John. Very simple. Just White Kalanuk development question mark. Um, we already talked about him a little bit, but let's just talk about White Kalanuk some more because that's fun. He can skate and he's a great but, passer. Yeah, I was gonna say we the Blackhawks need defensemen who can skate well, and he's great at that. Um, and so the more time he spends getting acclimated to the NHL, the better his reactions are going to be, and he's going to be able to use that good skating and his good hands. Um, to be in the right places to do what he needs to. I mean, that pass from like that pass from Kane, whether he scored on, he activated at just the right time, and not all the defenders can do that or know to do that, and he can. And he lifted but, that in range like that was that was pretty incredible. I will say this. At least I will say this: the Blackhawks allowed four goals tonight, and he he wasn't on ice for any of them. Yeah, well, I think three of them were scored with Connor Murphy's helmet on the ice, so. <laughs> uh, the fourth one was a direct result of his helmet, so. But yeah, as, as Betsy was talking about the the goal with Kalanuk, like I, I pulled up the gif of it just to remind myself of it. Like, it's it's just, it's a perfect, it's a perfect timing and read of a play in the exact moment where you want to see a guy do that. Like that's a very veteran move from a 22 year old playing in his first professional season ever. What the hell were the flyers thinking when they did not sign him? He had to play a lot of forward growing up. They have a lot. No, they have a lot of defensive prospects. Phil, I think, you, I think they probably think he's Philip Philippe Myers. Well, lesser. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he can make the lineup in Philadelphia right now. I wish I'd give him a better number. Yeah, yeah, 48's not the best look for him, but, you know, we got, we got time to work off that. True. And it's funny as I'm, I'm scrolling through the other questions to see if there's anything else to ask and answer because uh, a lot of the questions got answered 
before the Hawks came back. So a lot of them are in the very negative variety. And again, I feel like we're going to be able to get to some of those questions and thoughts later on. Um, I'm just trying to make sure I haven't missed any of them from any, uh, any of the, the usual folks. Um, yeah, I think we're good. Did I, did I miss one? Cause there, there's one I was saving for the end as part of a transition, but uh, I think we're good. I'll say one, one thing, uh, the nacho, like, you know, they have the natural helmets and the ice cream helmets. They should put five on them, like make them look like Murphy's helmets. All right. We were talking about this in our little commercial break. The Predators are doing the shit on purpose, right? They have to. They have to be. the Okay. The, the one, again, the fourth goal that was a direct result of Connor Murphy's helmet being knocked loose. That Yakov Trenin did on, did, did on a purpose. I mean, earlier in the game, they literally like reached up and almost like yanked Docs off. So I don't see how it's not a purposeful thing. Well, yeah, and like we've all been watching hockey long enough, not just the Hawks, but NHL and other leagues and whatever. That doesn't happen all the time. No, like it, it, it hasn't happened to the Hawks this year. Like Connor Murphy didn't have issues with his helmet all of a sudden tonight. I think somebody lost a helmet once early in the season, and it was just like because they got knocked on their ass or something. Yeah, right. It's rare. It's rare enough that, like, if it happens, it should be a penalty. Like, no, again, we, well, that's we've my, about it once. I was having this conversation with the folks at uh, on the forecheck who do a very good job uh, writing about the predators. But from if you're going to have a rule that says uh, if a player loses a helmet and doesn't go to the bench, it's a penalty. Then the inverse has to also be true that if you intentionally go after a guy's helmet and knock it off. There has to be some sort of violation for that. At minimum, I, I, maybe not a penalty, but maybe why can't it be delay of game? Yeah, it or should maybe, be delay of game. That's or, exactly or, what it should be. I mean, or maybe stop the game and move the and have the face off outside the zone, like on an offsides call. Like there has to be some sort of uh, penalty on the other, or some sort of violation on the other side of that coin. Otherwise, you're completely screwing defensemen for that. We well, have yeah, like if somebody's helmet comes off on accident, that sucks. But, like, when you're knocking guys' helmets off, that has to be a penalty. Like, if you take the stick to the helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if I mean, you're doing – Yeah, I, I mean – It's dangerous. We're, we're going to see what's ha- – I'm going to be watching it now Friday night a lot closer because uh, now, it's, now it's becoming a thing. Like, it happened once Monday, and, like, when it happened on Wednesday, my first thought was Connor Murphy's going to be a meme. There's going to be a gif of him wearing the helmet backwards, and that's going to be all over the internet. But if it happens Friday night, then it's like, all right, now now you're the predators are being a bunch of assholes, which will just add to the hatred of the predators that already exist in this space. And Connor Murphy's been vocally like smart about not wanting to fight and get himself in, in trouble in the box because they need him out there. But like if I were him, I would have been pissed. Like that's something like that's really some BS, honestly. Yeah, like after the the second goal that got scored when he was like his chin trap was in front of his eyes, like he just had this look of motherfucker honestly yeah and you guys know like i'm not a uh, hits and grit and fight guy but like i would have been like i would have probably said some shit to the guy send zadorov out there to him isn't that what he's there for yeah he only he only only hits guys when he's leaving an assignment the guys that are half his size yeah that's that's like a situation where i see their usefulness of like a ryan race yeah, just 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 for like, can you just yeah add him to the roster for just like a shift or two? Let him go start a fight with someone. Yeah, that's when I I, I want vengeance at that in the in that moment. That's what they tried to do with John Scott. Yeah, I Remember mean Brandon Mashinter. Oh <laughs> man, shitter. <laughs> I mean, at that point in the game when you were like down that many, you're like, oh, it you know chances of coming back are slim. So, okay, fine. Go fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, if exactly or had been close, I would be like, obviously don't fight. But again, I, Isadora, are you missing that much on the ice? Really? It's like addition by subtraction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. getting him off the ice sometimes is a good thing. All right. Before we go too far gonna- <laughs> now, now, now we got to see now. I guess happy guys. All right. So we had one last question uh, from devil dog 29, very frequent commenter and uh, conversation starter in the chat who we very much enjoy. So he asks, where should I eat when I come back to town next month? Now we asked the follow-up. He said it was mostly in jest, but he said the loop. So uh, obviously Betsy, I don't know how much time you've spent in Chicago being from, or being down in Georgia. So probably a bit of a haul for you. Uh, I think the other three of us are in the suburbs, but frequent Chicago a lot for work and other things. So 
I feel like some like sh- people who live within the city uh, limits are going to yell at us if we give some shitty re- recommendations. So pressure's on Mill and Shepard and myself to give some good ones. So uh, Mill, I know you had some on your mind. So go. Oh, ahead. yeah, because you mentioned like the Loop and like Greektown, mm-hmm. um, which I like going to Greektown a lot, being. Uh, ethnic and European background myself, we eat a lot of that kind of food because we're weird. So um, basically, like, Greektown has a ton of places that are going to serve a lot of the same stuff, but the place I like is called Greek Islands, um, and that's on South Halstead. You can get the whole nine if you want, you know, whatever you want between the bar and the meat and the seafood. I'm, I'm a big seafood guy. So uh, it, that's the place I'd recommend if you're going for Greektown. Yes, you can get the flaming cheese you know, that everyone likes Saganaki, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my, my two cents on the Greek stuff. Uh, uh, Pegasus is good too, but I like Greek islands. Uh, Shepard, did you have any suggestions? I've got, if, a few. You're, huh? if you're looking for, if you're looking for fun this weekend, I have the club for you. It's no, uh, <laughs> Stefan, <laughs> baby. Yeah. I'm Stefan. Um, they have everything. Oh my God. The, uh, the, M-, M burger is one of the best burgers in Chicago and there's a few locations, but like the one near uh, Navy pier, there's like two na- near Navy pier and those are really good burgers. Is that, is that a regional chain or a national chain? I think I, I think had it's a regional. I think I've had them. There's one in the basement of the uh, Thompson center in the food court down there. I think that there's an M burger down there. Although, yeah. although I don't yeah. know. Yeah. There is. Although, yes, there is. So, so, did you have any other shepherd? Uh, I I don't. There's not. I don't. You can't go really wrong. I think Chicago is a really good food city, so I don't think there's a lot of going wrong with it. That's that's a very is, good point. Zach. There's is the food. girl and the goat still um, open around there? That's the only. That's the last restaurant I went to there, and I only went there because a Top Chef person opened it. <laughs> I don't know. It was delicious. <laughs> like. Most of my recommendations are going to be like, I have to provide the caveat of, I haven't been to any of these places in at least a year because of the obvious reasons. Yeah. I don't know how many of these places are still open or what has happened to them. Um, and, or if they're, if they're back open. So uh, if we're like, you're talking the loop though. Uh, Monk's pub is always a very, just incredible burgers and uh, the longest, one of the longest beer lists I've ever seen in my life. Um, there's a place called Pierogi Heaven, which mm. is, and right in the loop and it's exactly what it sounds like i mean there's you you walk in and uh, the people behind the counter have the thickest accents you've ever heard so you know the pierogies are authentic and uh it was those two and then if like a little bit more south loop but if you're looking like more like bar restaurant type uh first draft is a great place and that's about the main three i've got but uh, i mean other than that like you're in the loop like there's there's a zillion places in the loop i'm sure and i'm sure there's it- and that people will yell at us on Twitter and let us know what they are. Well, let's be honest, though. Like a lot of us who live in the area, we don't go out of our way to go to the best places. <laughs> no, yeah, I, no, I mean, yeah. like there's going to be. I'm sure. Again, there, I'm sure there's Chicago residents or people that work in the Loop full time that have better recommendations than me. I mean, and then like there's 96,000 pizza places you can go to. I'm sure, uh, and everyone has their yeah. own opinion of what's a favorite one. Just I the the thing I always try to recommend to people when you go to a big city like Chicago or you go anywhere else, just go to a place that's not a chain and that you can't get anywhere else. Because um, if you go to, the, if you go to the loop and you go to McDonald's, you got to be shot. I mean, like to me, like the definition of eating in Chicago is like being at either like bottom laundry bee kitchen and you're having like some kind of sandwich with a PBR and tater tots. Like that's kind of all it is. So it's like, go find something you actually want. Could not be more Midwestern if you tried. But, uh, but I you can get cheesies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheesy! Oh. All right. Well, while we're on the topic of food things, uh, I think we can, that we've already wrapped up the Blackhawks portion of this podcast. So we're going to transition to the food take. And uh, Betsy, I believe it's your turn. Uh, last time you shared some grits with us. So uh, what do you got this week? Okay. So I checked with Shepard, and I think you've done a theme similar to this, or pretty close to it, but not this year, but I think last year. That's all right. Well, so, we might have had some new followers, and then so it's all it's all fresh. Okay. My take is pie is superior to cake and it's not close. Wow. And the pecan pie is the best type of pie. Yes. So I totally agree with the pie is better than cake take. Uh, 
despite the fact that I'm making a birthday cake for myself soon, I made a birthday tart for my mom, for my mom, like a birthday lemon tart. I think it's one of the best things I've ever made. Um, pumpkin pie is superior to pecan pie as someone who makes both though. Yeah. Pumpkin bread is better than most other breads, but pecan is where it is when it's pie, especially since you can put bourbon in it. And as Shepard <laughs> and I were talking about it, you could put things that would heat it up like chili flakes and Shepard was just talking about putting um, jalapeno seeds in it. And I was like, oh, that sounds delicious. I, I, How do you want yeah. spicy dessert? Oh, if you have, if you've had pecan pie, you know, it's one of the sweetest, like yeah. most, it's, it's going to lead to diabetes if you have it more than once a year. Yeah. Things on earth, on earth and you need something to cut through that sugar, through that molasses. And I think spice does it really well. Um, but as someone who is a massive fan of Thanksgiving, uh, in terms of the food and pumpkin pie is just I do it's, love pumpkin pie. Do not pecan pie is considered a Thanksgiving um dish too. Like that's all we like that's what we make down here um is pecan pie. I um, I feel like well yeah pecan pie is definitely like a fall. It's I feel like like pumpkin pie specifically for Thanksgiving, I think pecan is more like fall in general. Yeah. Would either of those two items be as enjoyed by people if they were uh, a year-round thing i mean we had pecan pie for easter too so. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah I, I i make my pecan pie for christmas um oh, right. i i think i yeah I, I think pumpkin pie can be enjoyed year-round it's just gonna be heavier in like july yeah it's it's just it's it's so ingrained into the culture of fall that yeah. If you well, go to a if you go to a Labor Day cookout and there's pumpkin pie, it's like what the fuck is this doing here? Yeah, pumpkin <laughs> here. That's, that's just that type. Pecans in the South are so common. Like, I mean, I'm from like the there are more pecans grown in Georgia, I think, than anything else. I don't know why it's called the Peach State. Um, we don't have peaches here anymore. <laughs> it rolls off better than the pecan state. Yeah, pecans too many syllables. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, think of like I just. I like cake. Don't get me wrong. But if I had the choice, I'm always going to go pie. Um, give me a good coconut cream pie. Give me an apple pie. Um, give me banana cream. I love banana cream. Um, cherry, peanut butter, uh, strawberry. I mean, you can, uh, you can put all these flavors in cakes though. Like, <laughs> but they don't, they're not as good. Like yeah, I don't, they don't translate as well. I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they translate as well. Um, the best pie, like, Maybe it's because I like fruit a lot and a lot of fruit translates better to pie um, because it's a filling and not being reduced to something else like a topping or. I don't know if you ever had, have you ever had an atomic cake? I don't actually think so. Those are really good actually. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, that's always my argument of like, like with the cake and pie thing, because I think I'm more on the. Uh, This is a cake wanting to be a pie. (laughs) No, it's different though. (laughs) Um, it's like a, it's not, like the seven layers, but and there there's like there's strawberries in there. There's a banana. No, this is like this is like a cake that's like I'm cake and a little bit of pie with some cake with a little bit of pie with some cake. All right, so what's yeah. what's the what makes the cake a cake and what makes a pie a pie? Uh, crust. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, the crust and then like the sponge of the actual cake is a difference. Um, well, that, but, is a hot dog a cake or a pie? <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a huge cake person generally, but so I'll probably say that's fine with the pie. But I like ice cream cake a lot. But you can put ice cream on pie, so it's fine. Yes, also, you, ice cream on pie, pie is wonderful. Yeah, like, ice cream is my favorite dessert. You know, so it's like you yeah. can have it with cake too, but it's kind of like on a side dish where you can put the ice cream on the pie and eat it all together. Oh, and dude, automatically pecan pie right there is the best combination with vanilla. So you've already just talked me into wanting more pecan pie like i just thought i want to make now um we need to stop recording these and and doing these at night because then all i want to do is go eat the food we talk about we gotta make a cookbook a second city cookbook (laughs) (laughs) i mean we could absolutely do that i need we're gonna have four months with no blackhawks games so (laughs) i need to get my mom's um she has a really good uh it's like a ginger streusel Pumpkin pie, I'm not even saying that right, no but it's delicious, delicious, this, this. It's got a really crumbly top and everything, so I bet Shepard would love it. All right, well, I, I think, I, I, I mean, 
like I think we, the thing we need to get on the record here is that there's nothing wrong with either cake or pie. Both very good. No, I just pie is better. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's um, I mean it's it's yeah. It's it's one's nine and a half and one's a ten. So it's I mean there is a pie named after Shepherd, so <laughs> that's yeah, a decent go, pie. You it's can very go good pie. with pies. Um I'll say that you're I feel like you're way less likely to have a bad pie than a bad cake. Cake sometimes gets ruined by like fondant. Like stop putting that stuff on things. I think I think my other issue here is that I just had a really, really good cake on Sunday. I had a really good cake birthday. the other week. It was double chocolate on cho- like it was just it was they called it a double deep chocolate cake and it was delicious. But then I was still like so like after my piece of cake, can I have some pecan pie? I, I, I kept thinking about having like a strawberry pie because I was thinking of chocolate and strawberry together. I don't think I've ever had the taste for like regular cake. I always like uh, like banana cake or like red velvet or something weird. So when I go to the store to like get one, if I have to buy one, there's no pleasing me. I do love red velvet cake. That's the best cake. Or, or German chocolate cake cake's really good too. I just want dessert now. Thanks. I know this is not is not good. It's way too late for dessert for any of us, no matter what time zone we're in. So have a dessert beer. <laughs> I, I I think I have like yeah, I think I have some of those too. In the fridge. I have a dessert wine here actually. Oh, well, see there you go. I don't. Uh, those are I can't do them. They're too heavy for me. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to sleep right after this. So you know, you take a glass and you're like. Ooh. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, well, on that note, I think we can wrap up this edition of Musings on Madison. Uh, thank you to, to all three of you for hanging out. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, visit the website, secondcityhockey.com is where you can find all of our content. Uh, you can follow most of us on Twitter. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Mill is at Mill182. Shepard is at Shepard Price. Uh, Betsy's not on Twitter, but again, you can find all her work at secondcityhockey.com under the username LBR. There's some underscores in the middle there. Um, and then wherever it is you get your podcast, if you could follow, rate, review, subscribe, un- unsubscribe, resubscribe, unfollow, refollow, all that good stuff. And any five-star reviews we can get would be much appreciated. Uh, and stay tuned. We'll have another show next week where we will be talking about the suddenly surging Blackhawks who are back in the thick of the playoff race, right? <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's the best we no got. Comment. Uh, so thank you much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For Mill, for Betsy, for Shepard, I'm Dave, and as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.